Good morning. Jesus was and is the great conversationalist, the master storyteller, the one with the wisdom for life and righteous living. Please open a Bible to Matthew 13 this morning. Last week, we started a new series for a new year. We will be looking to the parables of Jesus, the great conversationalist, the great storyteller who has words of wisdom for us to learn from. And we are going to look to them, study them, meditate on them, and allow them to change our lives to be more like him, to be focused more upon kingdom living. Thank you for joining with us this morning as we worship the Lord together, wherever we are, and as we study his word, which is also an act of worship. We started last week with Matthew 13, the parable of the sower, as we considered our futures with Christ, our futures, and singing a new song to the Lord, considering what type of soil we are, and in this soil, can we expect the kingdom of God to grow in our life and those our life may impact? That was our big idea from last week. Today, we continue in this parable with speaking of the first place the seed was sowed. But first, what is a parable? Someone once said that a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It is hard to nail down the definition of a parable in just one statement, though, so please allow me some time. A parable was quite common in these people's lives and for Jesus for teaching. A parable is an analogy comparing one thing to another, often in the form of a story to help illustrate a point or a greater truth. We like stories. We love stories. In fact, we need stories. Throughout history, human beings have told stories to teach morals, heritage, and rules. Stories like the three little pigs and the tortoise and the hare have taught us about responsibility, persistence, pride, consequences of foolishness, never to give up. Stories help us to listen, to take a knee, to take a moment. A story sticks with us, whereas a list of facts may be easily forgotten. A story or a joke or a riddle we may remember, but a list of trivia facts we may often forget. We need stories in these parables from Jesus. Stories, because we struggle to listen. And Jesus declares, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So as believers, as followers of Christ, we must open our ears. We must seek him for understanding that only he can bring upon our lives. Jesus uses parables with everyday analogies to help his followers understand and see his truth and to remember his teachings for kingdom living. Christ's point or purpose in parables often involved our hearts in his kingdom. As I said last week, Christ searches hearts and his parables call on us to search ourselves, our hearts, to be sure we are kingdom living and living according to the word of God. Quite simply put, though, the parables of our Lord Jesus in the Gospels are stories by Jesus which help to illustrate what our futures with him as Lord and Savior should look like, sound like, or include to show that we are and will be part of his eternal kingdom. Some of these stories are harder for us to understand as we do not live the same lifestyles as they did 2,000 years ago, but they still have great wisdom for us as all of God's word does. Some of these stories or parables were also harder to understand for the listeners that day too, even though Jesus would use everyday objects for these stories because these teachings were more pointed or directed to his believers, his followers, and not just a motivational TED talk for the crowds. 
him hiding the understanding of these teachings has been said by some commentators to be both an act of judgment and mercy. For instance, John MacArthur said it would be judgment to the crowds following him who had heard the truth but not believed, and mercy to them as for them to continue to hear his words when they would not turn and follow him and and his ways would only increase their judgment. They had already rejected the light of Christ, his teachings, and the life that his life and teachings could bring unto them. They had committed to a life of lies and to the deceiver, Satan, and Jesus would allow them to continue in their path. For instance, the Pharisees would know the truth, would see the truth, would hear the truth, but they would continue to not follow the truth. Hard to understand or not, though, God's word does not return void. His purpose shall always succeed, Isaiah 55, 11. You see, Jesus had a purpose. He had lessons in these stories back then, and he still has a purpose and lessons for us today in these stories as well. Lessons for our future. Lessons for kingdom living. Lessons from his word. Lessons from him. Jesus shared these stories of wisdom in ways that his people could understand. But others may not, unless they would have ears, listen, and seek him for understanding. More important to us, though, than a definition of a parable is to notice what Jesus said and what it means. So we look to Matthew 13 today, and we're about to read. I hope hope your Bibles are open. Matthew 13 starts with the parable of the sower. This story from Jesus illustrates and describes four different responses to the message of the kingdom of heaven that Jesus and his disciples preach. Let us read from Matthew 13 now, the parable of the sower. Starting in verse 1. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. Now why did he do this? He did this because there was such a great crowd that he could get away from the crowd a little bit into a boat to be seen by all. Also, the natural terrain of the seaside, the beach, had almost like an amphitheater-type setting to it. It was maybe a steep hill so that people would be standing and sitting and kneeling and laying on the hill watching him, listening to him, and his words would be amplified. He would teach the crowd, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. Verse 3, And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. Now, before I explain any further, I want you to see this picture in front of me. A sower, we're not talking about somebody doing arts and crafts. We're not talking about somebody using a needle and thread. We're talking about a farmer sowing seed into his field. Now, back then, they did not have all the fancy farm, farm machinery we have now. We, they didn't have thousands upon thousands of acres. They had a plot, and they would sow spread their seed, toss their seed in their land. In fact, right here, this could even be a little bit inaccurate, as most commentators believe, historians, that they would spread their seed, sow it by hand, either in front of them like this or, or over their heads, throwing, tossing the seed, and then they would plow it into the land. But as they would throw it by hand... Some of the seed would get carried by the wind and get blown away. Some of it would go on the rocks. Some of it into the thorny plants on the side of the field. Some of it onto the path which separated his field from the other field. Let's continue on. A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. 
and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depths of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them out. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. We're going to skip forward and we'll reference the rest of that later. But this story from Jesus illustrates and describes four different responses to the message of the kingdom of heaven that Jesus and his disciples preach. Jesus uses the field, the sower, the seed, and the soil to teach about our reception to God's word. The sower is Jesus. But so are we today. As we have been told to present his message of the kingdom of God to all nations still today. And we all sow the seed. We all toss it around the world for people to hear. Just as the disciples and Jesus did that day. Jesus is the ultimate sower because he is the one who brought the message to the world. He is the one who, who gives us the understanding of the word to sow in the first place. The field is the world. The seed is his word. And the men and women are the soil. Actually, I think it's obvious that the soil conditions speak to the heart conditions of the different types of soil, men and women. Bad soils and good soils, it speaks to our heart condition. Today, we focus on just the first soil. And Luke 8, 5 describes the scene this way. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. It adds a different concept here of not just it being thrown on the path and it being taken by the birds, ate, but it adds that it was also trampled underfoot as people would walk on that path, as they would stomp it down, not so much purposely, but just because that was where they would walk. The animals would walk, the people would walk, the workers would walk. If it was a main pass, it might be used greatly and it would be trampled down. Or possibly the wind would blow it away. The birds would blow it away. Let's continue to speak, though, about this. Let's read that once more. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. Now, obviously... Jesus is using a parable here, an analogy, a story to illustrate or talk about human hearts and the receptiveness to hear the word of God, to hear of the kingdom of God, to hear of salvation found in him, of righteous living and wrongful living. Quite simply and tragically, there are many who will hear God's word, but few will live it and love it and take it in and stay with it. This story is about people's hearts. And as the message, the word of God is sowed, some, it might fall on hard, trampled down soil. And it won't get absorbed into soil, won't grow at all. In fact, the birds of the air might devour it. The wind might take it away. People's feet might trample it down, never allowing it to even start to grow. Quite simply and tragically, There are many who hear God's word, but very few will live it, love it, and stay in accordance with it. Here we see that some will never allow the seed, the word of God, to fully seat and grow into their lives. They hear the good news. They hear the gospel, the word of God, the news of the kingdom of God. 
They hear of hope and life and joy, but they choose to respond with no. No, I do not believe it. No, I do not want to follow it. No, I do not need Jesus. No, I don't see the facts in this. No, I don't see the evidence in this. Some of these people are just closed off. The soil is hard and is truly tragic because we all need Jesus. We all need the word of God. We all need his kingdom. We all need the repentance, the forgiveness, the life that only we can have through him, the love that only he can give through his humble sacrifice on the cross. But some may never even do the dance. Some may never even start to follow him. This is the seed falling on the path. Jesus himself explained this to his disciples later, and possibly a smaller crowd of other followers. The meaning in verse 19 of Matthew 13 was saying, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. That is what was sown along the path. Here we have three things to discuss. We have the soil or the path. We have the lost seed. And we have us. The problem here is the soil. In this case, the path. The hard, trodden down, beaten down path. Not the seed. The seed being the word of God and the good news of his kingdom is good. Always good. All scripture is beneficial. All scripture, scripture is useful. All scripture is good. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17 tells us, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, righteous, right way of living, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Unfortunately, we do not all follow the word of God. And even us who do try to follow the word of God, we never follow it fully as we're all sinful and fall away. But God loves us so much, he sent his son to forgive us and we can have life and forgiveness through him. The problem is not the seed, the word of God, but the soil which is not penetrable certain to certain human hearts. But all of God's word will be heard. All of God's word is and will be powerful and will penetrate even those most hardened hearts. But it can be in love, in forgiveness, or in judgment. Hebrews 4.12 speaks about the word of God again. It says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Again, the problem is not the word of God. The word of God is active and useful and beneficial and has a purpose. The problem is the soil, the hearts of people. We either have a good heart, good soil, or a bad heart, a heart which is hardened in different ways, receptive to God's word in different ways. And here, the path is beaten down, which means the heart is beaten down and hardened so hard that the, the seed cannot even begin to root and is carried away by Satan, carried away by worldly sinful problems, carried away by the birds. The heart is beaten down by bad habits, customs, routines, the heart is hardened, will not accept the new blood, the blood of Christ, this new covenant of grace, mercy, and love. The heart will not accept his help. 
The past, being more beaten down, trampled down by foot traffic, is a hardened soil, which does not even allow roots to start. In fact, the seed is tossed and turned by feet, and dare I say, by wind and creatures. The heart of some people is like this, and was, is beaten down by sin. Or, the heart may be beaten down by the great sower God himself. Just as God hardened the heart of Pharaoh in the day of Moses, God could choose to harden hearts of people still today as they continue to seek their own glory and live in sin instead of by faith in him. Need we consider this thought further? How are human hearts beaten into a path, a highway, never to allow the seed to flourish? How are human hearts taken away by the birds, taken away by Satan and away from God's plan? Well, you see... Every child of God's heart is impressionable. Every child of God's heart is impressionable and sensitive to being carried away. Even while the word of God is being proclaimed, Satan is looking for ways to distract the hearer from the things of God and carry them away from him. Satan wants nothing more than to distract our lives from the life giver, from the giver of all wisdom the giver of hope and joy and life eternal with him. So Satan uses many influences, thousands of influences to tread over one continuously into hardness, or as one commentator said, to continuously be tread onto him into callousness. Influences such as sinful habits like lust, sensuality, greed, selfishness, drunkenness, or idols. Influences such as worldly passions, which take us our focus off the things that really matter. As these unhealthy, sinful influences are allowed to take control, hearts are hardened, and God is pushed out. And the conviction of sin, not followed by turning away from sin, leaves the heart even harder. The same effect is produced by experiences of life. As worldly pains of a sin-infected world leaves many hearts beaten down, calloused, and hardened as well. The worldly teaching and worldly thinking causes hardened hearts too. Like the seed fallen on the hardened path, these hardened hearts will never flourish as they are meant by God's design and purpose. And Satan carries them away. The birds carry the seed away. The birds devour the seed. Satan devours the seed. Satan devours People saying it's like a roaring lion roaming the earth and looking for God's people to take away from him. There's an impression on people today that little is okay, but to allow a little all also allows control, and then this control takes over. It's hard to turn away from the little. Do not have the thought that I can just sin today and repent later. The heart that is beaten over by lust. An indulgence of sin is never the same again. Never. Follow God. Follow Jesus. Don't give in. Lastly, we have us. We have the application. We've talked about the field. We've talked about the sower, the soil, the past, the seed. And lastly, we have us. The main application or big idea today is this. Knowing all this, by prayer and supplication, I'm sorry, by prayer and preparation... We must consider the seed we are sowing and how to best keep on sowing. I think of Dory from Finding Nemo. Keep on swimming, keep on swimming. We need to keep on sowing the seed. Keep on sowing the word of God. Keep on preparing how to best sow 
the seed. And this is both within our lives and others. Not just for others, not just for ourselves, but for both. Let me repeat that again for you taking notes. And it's on the screen for a moment. By prayer and preparation, we must consider the seed we are sowing and how to best keep on sowing. We are spreading the good news of God, the gospel, the good news of forgiveness of sins and life eternal with God through his son, Jesus Christ. We are spreading the news of peace, the ultimate peace, the peace which only God can provide through his son, Jesus. Are you prepared? How are you preparing? Consider this this week. How are you preparing to sow the seed within your life and others? We must then understand that no matter how hard we sow, we try, some seed will never sprout. And this is not always your fault. It is right, it is okay that the sower tosses the seed all over the field. Some may land in bad places, but this way the seed, the word of God, reaches all places. Good and bad and all soil types has an opportunity to grow. We too are called to spread the word of God, the good news of Jesus, to all creation, all nations, the end of earth. Don't stop and worry if you're spreading to the wrong people or the wrong soil. Just keep on spreading. Keep on sowing. Just spread it. Sow it. Throw it out and let God do the rest. Our job is to sow the message, his message, the word, the message of his kingdom. His job is to bring the harvest, bring the fruit. Some seed will go by the wayside, go on the beaten down trodden past and never take root or to be carried away by the birds, by Satan. In the evil ways of the world, sinful living. They will live for him and themselves and not for the things of God. But you cannot control this. So what do we do with all of this now? Knowing all this, we continue to be prepared. In season, out of season, continue to sow. As 2 Timothy 4.2 tells us, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Guys, this is not just my job as a pastor. This is not just other jobs as missionaries. This is all of our jobs as believers, as followers in Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior to preach the word, to be ready in season and out of season, to reprove, <coughs> rebuke, and exhort with complete patience in teaching. But why? Why continue to preach knowing that some will not accept the truth we have to tell them? That some of our seed would just be thrown on the hard beaten down, trodden ground to be just taken away by the deceiver, by Satan himself. Well, I'll tell you why. We continue because we know that in this message, we have the power of life and death, the word of God and the message of his kingdom and of righteous living. So be not ashamed. Have faith and live accordance to Jesus' teaching continuously. As Romans 1.16 tells us, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Have faith in God. Continue to consider what soil are you today. Continue to consider your heart. Do not stop sowing the seed. Do not stop preparing. Be prepared in season and out of season. Prepare each day for sowing the seed within your life 
within the life of your family, your friends, your neighbors, your relatives, and the world. Yes, Satan is out there trying to kill, steal, and destroy. But keep on sowing. Keep on sowing. Let's say that together. Keep on sowing. Keep on sowing the seed of God. Then hope, pray, and have faith in God who will bring the harvest, bring the fruit, the evidence of one's faith. But don't stop there. Praise God. Praise God, for he is with you always. As we close, are you willing to proclaim this Romans 1.16 with me? Let's do it now with me. Let's repeat after me. I'll say a few words. I've highlighted the statements we say together. I'll say it first, and then you'll say it with me. Romans 1.16. Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Chuck, say it with me. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation. Let's repeat that. For it is the power of God for salvation. To everyone that believes, to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I'll repeat that once for you myself. Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is a power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Let's keep on sowing the word of God. And by prayer and preparation, we must consider the seed we are sowing and how to best keep on sowing. Let's close in prayer and song now. Thank you. Lord, we thank you for giving us your word both 2,000 years ago and today, and you continue to work in our hearts today. May we consider the soils we are, may we consider the soils of others, and may we keep on sowing your word for all of creation to hear. Amen.